Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. You can find us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. Uh, thanks as always to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. And if you haven't as yet, and, and look, if you, if you haven't as yet, I don't know what you're doing. Go and pick up your summer magazine, your summer preview magazine. It's out on bookshelves everywhere now. My sister complained about it actually the other day that uh, she cannot go anywhere without seeing my dang magazine. That's a good so, thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. And of course, here's uh, Ishmael Johnson finally <laughs> back. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, we had uh, been busy. We had some inter- interviews in the chamber though, so we for were sure, kind of getting sure. those out. Yeah, definitely. And, and actually, even today, uh, we're going to be talking to both SMU coordinators, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley, defense coordinator Kevin Kane, two guys who I'm really high on, two guys who both under the age of 40. Rhett Lashley we named to our 40 under 40 list and mm-hmm. look not to play our hand too much. But, you know, if Kevin Kane's defense keeps growing the way that it did after last season, I think he has a very good chance to be on the list next year. Uh, but, but, yeah, hey, Camp's open. Yep. We have real college football news. It's, it's kind of weird, right? Like, this is the time of year where it's like, oh, it's not silly season anymore. There's right. actually real stuff. It's happening. like the last hurdle before we actually get to football. <laughs> right. I mean, we got players getting injured. We got mm-hmm. players transferring. We got, you know, quarterback battles that are finally being solved after months and months and months and months of talking about it. I'm mm-hmm. looking at you, Texas <laughs> Christian University. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, but let's actually start there. Sure. So, TCU. A couple of things have happened there. Well, mm-hmm. first of all, you know, their quarterback battle has apparently been six names, right? So, right. But it sounds like Matthew Baldwin's out. It sounds like, first of all, he's injured, so mm-hmm. he's, not, he's not even playing right now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like he's going to get that waiver to play immediately. So, you know, which, again, he kind of transferred in at the last minute from right, Ohio State. Right, It was going to be a long shot. Right. Uh, but then they were down to, I guess that makes it five. One was a walk-on transfer from Georgia, so, you know, a little generous there call, calling him part of the competition. Right. Michael Collins has been kind of hurt mm-hmm. uh, on and off and, and got hurt again during fall camp. So he's, he's probably, at least at this point, kind of out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So just today, just today, um, Gary Patterson said that, in, in as many words, that the quarterback battles down to two guys. Mm-hmm. The most senior quarterback on the roster, Alex Delton, the Kansas State grad transfer, who I would say is the odds-on favorite to start. Right. And the true freshman, Max Duggan, from, yeah. uh, from Iowa. I, I mean, look, the reality is I think that we can all acknowledge that just with the way that Gary Patterson runs his program, with the way that he likes to manage his quarterbacks, I would be shocked if Alex Delton is not the starter between those two guys. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... It kind of seems like a big deal that this true freshman has already separated himself. Sure, sure. And, like, you know, he didn't come from nowhere, right? He was a pretty highly touted recruit. Sure. I believe he was a four-star recruit yep. um, on 247. And, like, you know, you just kind of – the reason why it's shocking is, isn't is that we didn't expect Duggan to be good or he's kind of come out of nowhere. It's that you know Gary Patterson. And, like, right, right. he kind of – he kind of bucked tradition a little bit last year by handing the reins to a true sophomore, right? right? And it was like, okay, he's not going with an experience, with a junior, with an upperclassman, with a, you know, um, somebody who can really take command of the offense and somebody who can, who, who's played a lot of football. Um, and we saw how that went. And I think when Alex Delton transferred, not only was it, okay, here's a veteran guy who's played a lot of football, you know, his talent is a question mark as far as fit and scheme, but we can put that aside of saying he's just played a lot of quarterback, Big 12 quarterback football. Um, you expected him, because he's a transfer, because of Gary Patterson's mindset, he's going to be the guy. Your grad transfers don't just transfer anywhere. They transfer to places where they can believe they can start and they can play. And, yeah, so hearing that Duggan's right there next to him is really interesting. It's, I don't know. Like, could Gary could – he, could he have seen it last year when and said, you know what, we can't do another – you know, this quarterback plays three games, this quarterback plays three games, and blah, blah, blah. And is he just going to say, let's go with this guy for four years, potentially? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think that we're already seeing at Texas A&M, for example, or in mm-hmm. at Texas, you know, just having a guy coming back, how much it changes the way that you manage your offense, the way you run your program. It is a little funny, you know. <laughs> you just thought, I, I was actually down in College Station last week talking to Kellen Mond, mm-hmm. and it is kind of funny because some, some players, you know, they don't know what the company li- line's supposed to be, right? So, right. like, 
So like some players, the company line is, oh, well, no, I never have a starting job. You know, I'm always competing for right, that job. Right, right. You know, Kelman was like, yeah, no, it feels good to like not have to look over my shoulder. Right. And I love that because it's true. Sure. You know, I think like it was no actually. No one would believe Kelman if he said, oh, I don't right. know, I'm playing for my job. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you, know, you know who actually told me that, that they were like, no, I got to compete for my job was John Copeland at Incarnate Word. Okay. Yeah, dude, you're going to sure, lose man. your job. Sure, man. Yeah. That <laughs> offense was humming last year. Sure, right, buddy. Right. And just a little bit of a primer for people who don't know who Max Duggan is. Uh, he's from Council Bluffs, Iowa. True freshman. He was the Iowa Gatorade Player of the Year, so top uh, overall high school player in Iowa. A number two overall recruit in Iowa, a four-star recruit. Number three dual quarterback in the nation. Uh, passed for 2,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, and added 1,200 yards rushing. So he's a guy who can do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Not at the college level, I don't think he'll be doing as much rushing. Sure. You know, he's 6'2", 190, so you probably want to save him. You know, right, you don't right, want right. to be kind of running him into traffic as a true freshman. But mm-hmm. he's a guy who can move. Uh, now, again, the big thing that I'm curious about, if you're Gary Patterson, well, based on what I know about Gary sure, Patterson, sure. If you're thinking about Max Duggan, it's not because necessarily he has the most upside, mm-hmm. right? That, that's probably part of it. But the way that I think Gary Patterson wants to evaluate this quarterback battle is who's going to make the least mistakes. Sure. Because last year, we saw what the, the offense looked thing. like with Sean Robinson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the funny thing is, Grayson Mulestein, the last couple of games of the year, right? We, everyone remembers <laughs> the Cheez-It Bowl where mm-hmm. he throws 50,000 interceptions, right. you know, whatever. In those last two games against Baylor and against Oklahoma State, the one thing that he did and did extremely well was he took care of the ball. Right. He did not turn the ball over until that last game. And he had actually never thrown an interception in his career until that last game. Uh-huh. And then he threw all of the interceptions. <laughs> in but, uh, but, you know, if Duggan's already starting to separate himself with Delton, yeah. that's a good sign for his overall decision-making. And I think that, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll move over to the defense because there's a question there, but, like, when you look at this roster, the offensive line is experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they weren't great last year, but they're experienced. Right. You bring back both of your top running backs and Darius Anderson, uh, Amari DiMarcado, and uh, Shewa Lanalua. You've got receivers, obviously Jalen Rager maybe being the best in, in the Big 12, if not the country, if not whatever. You right. know? I mean, we're very high on it. Yeah, here. definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, we'll get to that later, but... Um, you know, and then the defense should be rolling. I mean, they, they get Roth Blacklock back. They bring back all of their key playmakers from last year other than Ty Summers, really, and, and, and the ends. Those mm-hmm. are obviously the things you have to replace, but they feel like they have guys there. So this is a situation where if they can find good quarterback play, mm-hmm. it's a tailor-made roster to win 10 games. Instantly, they become a Big 12 contender again. Right. Like, instant overnight, it's kind of crazy. Right. <laughs> right, and so... Look, is Duggan the guy who's going to do it? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like putting those expectations on a true freshman. Right. But then again, we've seen programs, especially in the Power Five, just say, let's give it to the highly, let's give the keys to the highly touted freshman. Sure. You know, Clemson won a national title off that exact concept. Right. Um, Alabama, it took the whole season, but they won a national title on that concept. Right. So, you know, could it? Could this be a changing of the guard? Gary's done a very good, very good job of adapting with the times. Could this just be the next step in uh, something in his career? So on the defensive side of the ball, uh, today it was actually announced that mm-hmm. um, that Montreal Wilson, the linebacker from TCU, is, is apparently leaving the program. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's a medical retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's played ten games the last three years. Sure, sure. You know, so it's not a huge surprise that, that he's out, but. It does kind of move some things around, right? Because Garrett Wall is that one linebacker that they feel really good about. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got, in that front seven, I mean, they've got two established interior defensive line pieces in Ross Blacklock, Blacklock and Corey Bethley. Uh, and then they have, you know, ends that they feel good about in a Sean Mathis, who is sort of a highly touted guy who they've been hyping up. Uh-huh. And then on the other side, you have Shamik Blackshear, the former top 100 recruit from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So really, you kind of look at the situation, and same with the secondary, where you got Julius Lewis, you got Jeff Gladney, and you got a bunch of your safeties back. But middle linebackers is such a big part of their defense. Yeah, especially when I mean, you have you have, you have two, <laughs> you yeah. have two of them. You, you run a four-two-five. You run two. You, you know, if you if one of those guys is inexperienced, that's the second level that's completely exposed in that defense. Um, and now you're looking at a retro freshman to maybe plug that yeah, gap? Yeah, that's that's the guy right now. I think it's uh, Demarion Holmes, I think. That, that's you, correct, yeah. yeah. Demarion Holmes is the guy who they kind of projected as their number two on the depth chart. Now, the thing is, Ben Wilson mm-hmm. is right now the backup at uh, strong side linebacker. Okay. Maybe he shifts over because he has played before. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, maybe they, uh, Garrett Wallace played safety and linebacker. Maybe they move him over to the mic because you know what? Why not? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, they'll, they'll play him anywhere. And right. he, he knows what he's doing. But I do think it's something to watch. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're going to be a top 10 defense. And sure. They're going to, all that stuff. But, but it just, it tests your depth mm-hmm. when you lose a guy like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that happened last year too, right? Yeah. I mean, it tested their depth once you, they lost him. Right. And like, I think you mentioned, you mentioned last year where like, this might have been on their radar. Right. You know, like there right. is a chance that they probably knew, like, I don't know if they could predict that he was going to retire necessarily, but they said, like, you know what, we got to have a contingency. Well, it's been since 2015 that he's played a season. Right. You know, I mean, they, again, I. So they had to have known. Even if they projected him as a starter, they're like, right. we need a good backup. Right. Because in 2017, he plays seven games. Mm-hmm. Last year, he doesn't play until the bowl game, until the Jesus Bowl. And then the year before that, I think he plays like three games, something like that. Right. Two games, I think I might be right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you do kind of know at this point that you can't necessarily trust him to stay healthy. It, it sucks for him because he was so good as a freshman. Sure, but, sure. But, you know, that's the way football goes, I guess. So. Uh, and another team kind of dealing with injuries, especially at that running back spot. Yeah. Texas. Whew. So, man. <laughs> so heading into the year, you know, obviously, obviously the thing that kind of started this all off was Darian Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Darian Brown suffers a scary stroke, unfortunately. Uh, the, the 2019 recruit from, from Buford, Georgia. Um, you know, not that he was going to be a star necessarily, but, but he was expected to play. Yeah. And they also lost a bunch of guys to transfer. Uh, they lost Tony Carter to Sam Houston State. They lost... Uh, to Houston, they lost um, their their favorite back. What's it? What's the guy's name? Um, you know who I'm talking about? Kyle Porter. Yes. Kyle Porter. They lost to Houston, and those are just kind of depth pieces. You know that they really felt like they needed to to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they moved Jordan Whittington over to running back. It's gone splendidly from right. what we've heard. But now Keonta Ingram's hurt. Mm-hmm. He should be back for the opener, but that's expecting a lot. And sure. then you have to go against LSU in week two. Sure. Uh, Daniel Young's there. Kurt Johnson is out six to eight weeks. Um, and then even even yesterday or uh, yeah, two days uh, ago, uh, Jaron Watkins. Jaron Watkins apparently has has a medical incident. He's a walk on running back. Yeah, you know, who was he was just really. I believe uh, I was looking at an article just right. now. He was just released from the hospital like yesterday. Yeah, or, yeah. no, they, they had to call oh, EMS. Yeah, we don't, we don't know exactly what went on. You know, so prayers with him. Uh, right. It sounds like everything's okay, but you know, you always hate to see that. Sure, sure. But uh, no, it's it's so all of a sudden. I mean, again, Ingram should be back. Ingram should be all right. I mean, he, he's a he's a moose you know mm-hmm. you don't you can't you can't take him down but, right but now you're looking i mean like now you're looking at true freshman jordan whittington right. getting basically most if not all the first team reps for right. a while like and and the next guy's daniel young who's played but didn't look good when he played right you know other than uh i think i think he played well in the texas bowl mm. a few years ago and that's like the one sort of good game that he's had sure. so maybe he can recapture something. I mean, you really just kind of need bodies at this point. And, and obviously, I think that the other thing, too, which it's a blessing and a curse, is that you're going to run Ellinger more. Yeah. And I, I got a chance uh, earlier this, this summer to talk to their running backs coach, um, and they kind of are a little insulted that a quarterback led the team in rushing. You know, <laughs> uh, Stan Drayton is, yeah. is, is a running back coach's name. You know, he, they were a little bit insulted that they – that they didn't get the carries, that sure. Sam Ellinger got all the carries over them. And, and Ingram was, was very good last year, mm-hmm. you know, short of great. You know, sure. he, he wasn't quite great. He, I mean, he, had I mean, he hit, shared the backfield. So. Right. Uh, but now you kind of go into 2019, and I don't think you want to run Ellinger that much. Absolutely not. If you think Ingram's the guy, which by all accounts he very well should be, um, and then you have the depth like Whittington, you have guys that can come off the bench and, and still provide those 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 carries and alleviate a lot of the pressure. You shouldn't have to run Ellinger that much. Like, yeah. uh, he's he's you know Ellinger's a big boy. He can take it, but like he, he's your quarterback, and like by the nature of the position, you don't want your quarterback taking most of the hits. Yeah, I, I will say I did see one uh, extremely uh, fall camp tweet, which mm-hmm. is that. Apparently, Casey Thompson looked better than Sam Mellinger throwing the ball in practice. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, so, you know, start him. So, yeah. actually, actually, I think we got a quarterback <laughs> yeah. controversy. Right, exactly. And, and what people forget is that Roshan Johnson's better than both of them. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves the backup until he has to get into the game. Oh, man. Spring or fall camp. Fall camp. I remember those days. It's, it's always fun. You know, everybody's 15 pounds heavier. Sure. Everybody knows the playbook. Everyone's so much in the better. best shape of their career. Right, Everyone's right. retaining so much from spring. Oh, it's yeah. great. And, and also, it's definitely not that 
Bellinger's having issues, it's that Casey Thompson is, is a Heisman good? contender. He's that good, man. <laughs> and it's not just that, oh, he had a good day of practice. Right, right? no, he's that good. He's just so crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fun time. <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, you know, moving over to, to Texas A&M, Baylor Cup obviously mm-hmm. going down. Uh, he apparently has a broken leg. Could be out for the season. Um, you know, they, they might bring him back. It just kind of depends. I mean, obviously sure. the thing is they'll play him less than four games to, mm-hmm. to, to maintain his red shirt, but... Yeah, this was the number one tight end in the country. This was one of the best tight ends to come out of the state in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, legit blue chip, uh, you know, five-star depending on the places. Right. You know, so, and the thing is, too, we saw last year how much Jimbo Fisher wants to use his tight end in his offense. Yep. And now you go into this year, there's only two players who have played at all at tight end. Mm-hmm. One, uh, only one player has a reception on the team. So and and you saw last year a tight end led the team in receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a big part of their offense. And you know, again, I, I mean, I don't want to speak too candidly, obviously, but you know, twenty twenty is obviously the year when you really want to have all these guys ready and and prepared. But you know, this is such a good opportunity for him to get experience in yeah. twenty nineteen. It really kind of sucks, not just for him, but for college football fans to not get to watch him. Sure, sure. Like he he was absolutely br- uh, in position to have a. Very good, very productive, and useful freshman season. Um, and now, obviously, I think he went underwent, underwent surgery yep. for his broken leg. And so it's like, you know, not only not only does not only do they have a broken leg, it's one thing to have a broken leg and just kind of heal, let it heal, and so on. Now it's surgery. Now you got to go through rehab. Now you got to go through physical, you know, therapy. And it's like, okay, now he has to learn how to use that leg again. And there's so much that goes into it. Sucks man. that, yeah. Like it, again, if you just had a broken leg, like right. you know. Everyone's broken a bone, or not everyone, but many people have broken a bone before. Oh, I can't use it for a while. Then you slowly get back to it. Surgery is a totally different thing, you know. Now, and especially as a freshman too. He's this is when he's supposed to be developing and getting bigger, getting used to a college workout regimen. Now he has to do that simultaneously with recovery, and so it's just unfortunate. It's an unfortunate step back in his kind of very. I mean, literally the earliest he could possibly uh, his earliest development stages. Definitely. Well, and. And so the guy's coming back. So Ryan Rennick has one reception for eight yards, which mm. is all that the room returns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a junior. Sophomore Glenn Beal, really good player, came in uh, in the last class, obviously, with Jay Sternberger, who was a JUCO transfer, but, uh, but came in with him. Um, and then do you actually know who their, uh, who their third string tight end is? They just moved him back from defensive end. But, uh, but that's not the relevant part. <sighs> no, I don't. Robert Ory's son, Cameron Ory. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, maybe uh, maybe if you need somebody to a make some big second, plays. A last-second catch, touchdown catch? Honestly, I'm shocked uh, I'm shocked that on the Texas A&M team that, that he's the, the son of Robert Ory and yeah. not Kendrick Rogers. You oh, know? that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, big plays, that's right? That's a good point. <laughs> anyway, probably. He's going to find himself wide open against Bama or something. Oh, he's going to. He's like, how do you leave him in the corner? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, to close things out over here, but um, – Texas State mm-hmm. also moves their quarterback battle down to two. Uh, they, they cut down Jalen Gibson. We had so many high hopes for him, yeah. but it just doesn't sound like it's happening. Right. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I was hoping a coaching staff change would help, um, would help him kind of get acclimated to a system more conducive to his talents um, by all accounts. But, yeah, by all accounts, he's, you know, a distant third in the, in the race right now. But – the good thing I like about it is everything I'm hearing from him and uh, Drew King from the San Marcos Record was tweeting from the press conference. Um, Gibson apparently said, I'm still preparing to be the backup. I still want. I still go in every day with a mindset that I'm two plays from being that guy. By all, uh, he's apparently reportedly said um, he's willing to change positions if needed. Yeah. Um, wherever the coach is, he wants to be a quarterback, but he says if the coaches can find a use for him at receiver or anywhere, just anywhere on the field, he's willing to do that, um, which is, I mean, that's, with all the with all the news of transfers and blah blah, blah <laughs> um, obviously kids should do what they want. But like, it, it is cool to see like a kid say, "No, I'm willing to help the team." Yeah, and obviously it has to do with a little bit with Texas State being a smaller group of five, and sure. like maybe he doesn't want to go down to FCS if he wants to be a quarterback. Maybe he just wants to prove himself at this level, which is cool. Um, yeah, but still, nonetheless, it's it's it's. Uh, I think we kind of expected it to be between Vit and Greshanson, but now it's kind of official. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the other piece of quarterback news, obviously, at Texas State, uh, comes from right across the street from our office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> former Cop Hell quarterback, Brady McBride, mm-hmm. uh, who was right in line to be the backup at Memphis, mm-hmm. one of the 
best teams in the group of five. Right. He decided to come back home. Uh, he's going to San Marcos. He's going to Texas State. Uh, McBride, I mean, I can tell you from, I'm a Coppell grad. Sure, sure. You know, I, I watched him. Whenever you watch that player, I mean, he was the most impressive quarterback on the field mm-hmm. whenever he took the field. I mean, and, you know, you always sort of like, okay, the measurables or whatever, whatever. I mean, he, he had blocking from, you know, Connor Williams. Right. Like, I understand, like, sure. you know, you got, a lot, you got a lot of advantages playing at Coppell, obviously. But, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he was a difference maker. You know, he was an accurate quarterback. He did a good job of, of moving the offense. And, and, I mean, again, you, you look at Memphis. It's actually a little bit surprising that he left, right, mm-hmm. because he was a redshirt freshman, first of all. Sure. So it's not, like, it's not like he was a junior, just like, ah, I'm never going to play here, right? Because mm-hmm. they're starting quarterback uh, whose name is escaping me, Brady White, yes, I think. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, Brady so. White. Um, he's a junior, yes, but, you know, so if you're a freshman, you get two years to start after him, and every indication was that he was going to get those two years to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. So. It was a little surprising, um, you know, unless he felt like he was going to get beat up for a backup job. Maybe, yeah, because I looked and I don't know if Memphis got a they got a commit sometime in the summer from a quarterback. I don't know if it was necessarily an odds-on commit to make an instant impact, but uh, as far as Texas State's concerned, like this could signal one of two things. This could signal like, hey, look, Jake Spavadol's he loves the transfer market, right? Got Chris Jensen, uh, JUCO transfer. He loves the idea of like instant experience or like bringing in the guy that he can count on. Or you can also say, hmm, he's not impressed with that quarterback room right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's a legitimate possibility that he says, you know what, let's get through this year and then let's bring this kid in because I'm not so sure that either of these guys should be the quarterback in 2020. Well, I think that the big thing, and, and even just being outside of it, mm-hmm. is that I don't think that there's anybody in that room um, that you should, that anybody should feel confident is definitely anything. Sure. You know, it, I mean, I think Jensen has a chance to be really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that he's probably going to be the starter. Mm-hmm. But do we know that Gresh Jensen's going to be good? I, I don't think we're so. We're asking him to make a jump from Montana right. back to Juco to Texas State FBS. Right. Like, we're asking him to make a pretty significant and, leap. And the reality is, I mean, for a variety of reasons that a lot of aren't his fault, Texas State was his only FBS offer. Sure. You know, I mean, it's, it's, not, like, it's not like other schools were clamoring for his, mm-hmm. his abilities. Now, you have the advantage that... He knows Bob Stitt's system. Mm-hmm. He knows how to communicate with him. Um, and I think that, you know, again, when you're coming from a place like Montana, I think that you are going to get undervalued when you put up good numbers, mm-hmm. which he did. I mean, he was a finalist for Freshman of the Year, mm-hmm. the, the uh, Jerry Rice Award right. in, in FCS. So this is a player who can play football. We know that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate exactly. exactly. And, I mean, Tyler Vitt, I think that we saw issues last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and... and Coming into a more quarterback-friendly system, maybe those issues kind of subside a little bit. I think that it'll help for sure. Yeah. But we still saw issues with accuracy. I mean, he had that one, like, 300-yard game where he looked amazing. Yeah. And then every other game was It was just good. inconsistent, and you just don't know. You just you still don't know what he is yet. You see talent. Right. You see flashes. With any of the, with, basically, with all of these guys, it's like, I don't know... If any of them can hold the position, should like should be a Kellen Mond situation. Where we go right. back to that, where he's like, "Oh, no one's breathing down my neck." Right. I can't say that about any of these guys. Well, and, and the reality at Texas State is too is you are almost never going to get a recruit that you feel like is a sure thing at quarterback. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's true of al- almost any group of five school here. I mean, Houston maybe being a, a, you know an exception. Sure. You know, and, and maybe SMU to a certain extent. You know, mm-hmm. those those two programs maybe you're like, all right, we got a Ben Hicks. We know he's going to be pretty good. Right. right? But if you're in Conference USA, if you're in the Sun Belt... You have you, to develop. Right. And, and you look at the best quarterback in Conference USA, Mason Fine, he wasn't a sure thing. Sure. He was a late flyer. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the sort of... Those are the sort of wins that you have to make. I mean, Frank Harris is as close to a sure thing as you're kind of going to get at that level, and we still don't know as yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we still haven't even seen him play. So it's, it's always going to be tough. Um, and, I mean, I think that if you're Jake Spavital and you're known for developing quarterbacks and you're known for productive offenses... Get a couple guys in there. Yeah. You know, don't don't uh, don't get caught in a situation where you've got three guys and two get hurt and you didn't feel good about the second one. Right. You exactly. know, because exactly. that's the thing too. It's like even if he feels good about Jensen, that doesn't mean he feels good about Vit. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, and and Jake Spavital is someone who deserves the benefit of the doubt. Like, has right. he ever ha- look back at Jake Spavital's career? Has he ever coached a quarterback where like, well, he wasn't very good. Like, uh, where they misjudged a player, where it was like, oh, he shouldn't have started. Wow. Okay, so so what we're... 
I mean, the one situation that you look at, obviously, is 2015 A&M. Sure. But, like, both quarterbacks probably should have played. They were fine. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, no, I mean, you look at his career, you look at him. Because uh, you know who he coached at Cal? Third-round pick Davis Webb. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then uh, Will Greer, obviously, mm-hmm. um, in, in 27, or sorry, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's got a hell of a track record with quarterbacks. And I believe, let's see, West Virginia in, he was also there. In 2011, and that for know, Gino was that Gino? That yeah, was Gino. And that was Gino. Yep. So yep. like, I mean, he hasn't coached a bad quarterback, right. and so he he deserves the benefit of the doubt if he says, you know what? I mean, none of these guys are really the guy. Right. <laughs> right. So, anyway, I mean, that's going to be something to watch for sure, and and I, I I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, this is college football. Both mm-hmm. those guys are going to start at some point. Sure. Um, you know, that's a reality of the situation. That's we'll a reality. Get a half, of we'll probably get a half and half, or you right. know, however it works against A and M, and into the next week. So. For sure, for sure. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on to our interviews. Um, again, we've got SMU offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley, followed instantly after that by SMU defensive coordinator Kevin Kane. Uh, again, these are really two really insightful coaches, two really good coaches. We got to talk to them for a while at coaching school. I've said it before. I think SMU could be an under-the-radar team that makes a jump this year because, you know, just year one, so much bad happened to start last year. Mm -hmm. They were so close to ultimately competing for the conference by the end of the year. So you get a quarterback in there in Shane Bouchelle. You have another year with the defense. I I don't know. I think there's something there. It'll be fun to watch. And I'll tell you what, it'll be nice for me because I don't have to travel. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, right down the road. uh, Thanks thanks to our sponsor, Nortex Honda Dealers. We'll be right back with you after the break. We're joined now by SMU Offensive Coordinator, Rhett Lashley. Coach Lashley, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, we are naming you to our 40 under 40 coaches. And uh, first of all, I guess, how have you managed to have so much success at such a young age? Well, I think, you know, anything in life, I think life's about people. And I've been really fortunate to uh, play for and work for and work with some really good coaches. I mean, obviously, I'm working with Sonny Dykes now, which he's incredible, um, incredibly well-known throughout the state of Texas, and his career speaks for itself. And and Gus Malzahn, who I've worked for and played for, and then guys like Gene Chizik, who's got ties to this state, and Houston Nudd, and I could go on and on, Pat Sullivan. I've just been blessed to – to uh, work with really good coaches, and I think uh, I've been able to just learn and, and you know from those guys and other people I've worked with over the years, and I've been blessed. Well, I think going into 2019, you know, the biggest question is obvious. What has Shane Bouchelle kind of been like just since he's come yeah. on campus? He's been great. You know, obviously we're limited on what we get to do with him in the summer, but just I know from working out with the team and the strength and conditioning staff has been really pleased with him, and it's just been good for him to have a summer to get with our guys, learn the system with our guys in the summer. And, you know, we've got some really good kids that really want to win, and so – uh, you know, we've got some good young quarterbacks, too, that will be in contention for that. But having a guy with experience who started 18 games at a place like Texas to come in and just be more of that veteran voice and, and just um, he's handled himself really well. And so, uh, so far, so good. Well, you talked to everybody at Texas, and even though he wasn't the starting quarterback by the time he left, everybody just always talks about how good he was for the program, what kind of leader he is, what kind of person he is. Have you guys gotten a chance to see some of that since he's arrived? Absolutely. I mean, we saw that getting to recruit him, you know, there for a while. And then obviously once we got him on campus, he's he's been exactly who he thought he would be. And that's what you like about Shane. The people that know him know he is who he is and he's steady. And that's what we need. We need a consistent leader. And I think the deal at Texas, I mean, he handled incredibly well. Everybody loves him at Texas. He played a lot of games, did well. And I think at the end of the day, everybody realized he, he just was more about a fit than it was about, you know, him not playing well enough. He played really well. Um, so we're excited and blessed to have him. Well, with you and with also Sonny Dykes being both sort of offensive mm-hmm. minds, how do you work together to find that sort of balance between what you know and what he knows? Yeah. Well, I think, look, anytime you uh, have a staff full of good coaches, you just everybody checks their ego at the do- door and you just you collaborate and you try to get good ideas together. And Coach Dykes has been great in letting myself and our staff just work, and he, he really does a good job of empowering his staff and, uh, trusting us to go do a good job. And so uh, I've got a really good offensive staff. We sit in there and we really collaborate. And I think at the end of the day, Coach Dykes, when, when he hired me, he knew we're on the same page. You know, we like to throw the ball. We know we got to score points. But we also know you got to be able to, to run the football to win games, and there's got to be balance. And so, uh, you know, I've always said, and I believe, you throw the ball to score and you run the ball to win. And so we're going to do, be able to do both. Well, we wanted to try to limit 40 under 40 to one coach per program, but another guy who's under 40 who's had a lot of success is Kevin King. Yeah. What does it say about Coach Dykes that he already kind of has the faith in two pretty young guys to manage huge parts of his program? Well, I think it just speaks to how comfortable Coach Dykes is and, you know, comfortable in his own skin and is comfortable in who he is. I mean, I, I can speak for Kevin. He's been in the business a while. I mean, we're young guys, and 
shoot, this is going to be my 12th year coaching. So right. it, it's kind of crazy how quick it goes. But, um, you know, I think for Coach Dykes to hire two coordinators that he had never worked with and didn't know, that doesn't happen a lot in this business. And I just think that shows a lot of faith in himself uh, and being able to, to bring in guys and help them develop and, and grow as coaches. You guys bring back a decent amount from that offense, especially obviously those wide mm -hmm. receivers. Uh, how much growth have you seen from both James Prochet and Reggie Roberson over the summer? Yeah. You know, James had a great year for us last year, and I think he's just continued to stay steady and, and improve at a good rate. Now, Reggie Roberson's a guy that's had a fantastic spring and offseason. And, you know, he wasn't mature enough and ready last year, and he had a lot of injuries, but he still did a lot of good things. And he's really raised his level just off the field in the classroom and just how he works. Um, so we're really optimistic he can have a great year this year. And like you said, at the skill spots, I think we're in good shape. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of other guys besides those two that can help us. Uh, our O-line with A.J. Ricker, we're rebuilding that. I think we're, we're making strides. And then at the end of the day, it all comes down to having, you know, production at quarterback. And so what we like is we feel like we've got a chance, and that's where it all starts. Where do you think the biggest growth is going to come heading into your second season versus your first season? Uh, for our team? For your offense, for offense. Well, I just hope we're a lot more consistent. You know, last year we weren't really that great. Uh, there was a couple games and there was times like against Houston and others we were real explosive and you saw flashes of what we want to be. But we were just too inconsistent. Some of that was injuries. Some of that was we had some deficiencies. Other was that probably just, you know, a new staff, new players. Uh, I feel like we've got good culture now. We've got good continuity. The guys know what to expect. We kind of know now what to expect. I think we've, you know, like you said, trying to merge two systems together to kind of create something that we think is uh, the best of both worlds. Is We've gone through that year of growing pains, and I think we feel good about offensively who we are and what we're going to do. And uh, so I just, you know, I would just like to think we're going to be more consistent and play with better tempo. And I think the better you execute, the more tempo you can have. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations. Absolutely. And thank we'll you. talk to you again real soon. Thank you. We're joined now by SMU defensive coordinator Kevin Kane. Coach Kane, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, of course, we're at the Texas High School Coaches Association uh, convention here in Houston, Texas. What are your impressions of it so far? It's a big event, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, you know, it just speaks volumes of what the state does for, for high school athletics. And, um, you know, just to see all the different sports that kind of engage in, in, in being around the same facility, it's it's a spectacle. And uh, it's a big deal. It's, you know, it's one of the largest governing bodies in Texas, which is pretty fun. And uh, it's good to see all these coaches around, get a chance to say hi to them before the season, wish them good luck, and, and then get rolling with it. So, But it's, it's an awesome place. It's a... It's an awesome kind of event for all these guys to get together and, and just talk about what's going on. Well, you spent uh, several years, obviously, at Northern Illinois, and now heading into year two in Dallas at SMU, how much more comfortable does it feel now to really have ownership of the program and, and kind of have the ability to instill what you want there? You know, I think it's uh, there's a lot more comfort and there's a lot more familiarity with what's going on. You know, I, I told our guys coming in, into spring ball, you know, we took some steps last year as as, as improving the, the defense and now we need to take strides in year two and uh, I, I feel like guys have bought in that what we're trying to accomplish and you know I thought we, we had a good buy-in from year one but really it's you now we're into year two now we got to see this is what we expect they know what we, what we expect and we and we hope to just kind of keep making strides like we keep talking about throughout the next year next six months yeah well when you when you look at SMU's defense I mean again you mentioned you made uh, you know some steps last year uh, and and one of those steps was the development of Richard Moore mm -hmm. um, where do you think he grew the most last year over the course of the season you know I think Richard Richard is a very instinctive player I think uh, you know from year one to year two his biggest thing is just his his knowledge of what the defense can do and where his players are plays are to make and when they aren't and, uh, you know, the biggest thing Richard, I told him in the offseason he needs to get better at is just to under be under control at all times. So he can be a loose cannon sometimes and, and all of a sudden screw something, something up. And it was, as we, not, we don't need that. We need more consistency. And, uh, but, you know, he's one of the leaders of our team and, and it's definitely our defense. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. And he's, he's ready for a good year. He's fired up. He's excited. He's healthy. And, and knock on wood, he stays that way. So, uh, so I'm excited. And he, along with Delonte Scott and, Rodney Clemens, all these guys are back, and Trevor Dimbo's had a great spring and summer, and uh, you know we expect to take strides, and, and uh, hopefully we'll be a lot better. Well, you look at SMU last year, heading into the last two games of the year, you know they, SMU was in contention for the conference championship. Mm -hmm. When you have a team that does return a decent amount, and that was so close last year to really making a huge step and making a huge stride. Uh, does that make everybody just a little bit more hungry heading into? Oh, absolutely, and I, and I think. Uh, Again, it was year one last year and still learning, you know, how to play for Coach Dykes and for Coach Kane and Coach Lashley and everything. I think going into that Tulsa game, the best thing that happened to our team was was 
that defeat because now it's like, hey, we can't just show up. You know, we got to be able to come out here and play every day. So that kind of set the tone going into the winter as far as how we, how we approached everything. And I think our guys have grown up a lot since that day. And, you know, I, it's crazy. This conference, I, 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 everybody asks me, how, how is this conference compared to Northern Illinois? I'm like, this conference is unbelievable. And, and, the, and the best part about it is anybody can win any day. And uh, we're sitting there going into week 11 with the chance to win our side of the conference. And, and to know that going into this year, you know, there's all those unexpecteds and you don't know question marks going into year one. Now we know that. And our guys are fired up about what they can accomplish. When it comes to the way that you coach defense and the way you install defense, what more can players sort of know and learn and do in year two that maybe is harder year one? You know, I think the biggest thing right now for our guys is, is fundamentals are, are the biggest thing. We can scheme everything up. So for our, our guys to master their craft, uh, I think that's going to be the big step. If, we, if guys can just take the right steps more often, uh, read their keys better every snap, if we can do all that stuff, the scheme's going to take care of itself, you know. And if, if, we, if we can just day after day get a little bit better doing that, I think we're going to be a really good defense and a, and a better football team in general. What is Sonny Dyke's coaching style like? You know, I was asking Coach Lashley a little bit earlier, but, you know, they're both coaching offense, obviously. You know, they're both offensive guys. How does Coach Dyke stay involved with the defense, and how exactly does he stay involved in the defensive game planning? You know, Coach, he's awesome. He lets me do what we need to do. And that was a big thing when I got hired here is like, how are we going to practice, how are we going to do stuff. And I think when he worked at TCU for that year, he kind of saw – you can have a good offense and you can have a really good defense as well. And this is how you have to go about doing it. So um, he's always asking me, what do we need? What do we need? What do we need? And which is awesome for us. And then when it comes to game plan, I'm, I'm always asking him, like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What would you do against this? And, and uh, so he's always giving me feedback about how he would attack certain things, which helps, helps me tweak, tweak the package and, and, and do certain things that we do. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, appreciate we'll, you, man. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, boss. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Coach Lashley and Coach Kane. Great interviews. Uh, again, like I said before, I think SMU might have a little something there. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just a little biased because my sister goes there now. But, <laughs> but I, I think there's something there. Anyway, this is apparently the season of rankings. <laughs> And on this top of that, is, it's apparently the season of bad rankings. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, you want to be more specific on so, that? <laughs> so... You know, we, we've got some good friends over at Sports Illustrated, but they have put out some shocking rankings. Uh, you know, so I, I I always hate to kind of do this because they put out lists for us to debate. Sure, sure. You know, that's, yeah. that's why the they release them. And, you know, I mean, and, and whatever. But, like, Oklahoma is ranked number 10 on their greatest programs of all time. Like... There are not nine programs. And I get it. We're suppo- I mean, I get that we're supposed to bash Oklahoma and be, ha-ha, look at that. That's a funny state up north, blah, blah, blah. They're better than t- – they're a top five program. They're – Like, so, I believe they're a top five so, program. So to me, in some order – In some order, The right. top programs are Notre Dame. Because mm-hmm. if you're looking historically, you have to put Notre sure, Dame up there, sure. right? And they put Michigan three. And if Michigan's three – by your own criteria, Notre Dame needs to be one. Right, exactly. You know, one or two. So, right. uh, so so Notre Dame, Alabama, I think that then at that point you can make an Oklahoma case. Sure. If you want to say Michigan, I wouldn't. You can say it. Sure. And then because this century counts. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, if you want to put Michigan, then then Oklahoma four is the lowest right. I could possibly put them. Possibly. Yeah. It, it's, but they put them at 10 behind Tennessee. <sighs> they put them behind Tennessee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tennessee, whose best season <sighs> was... Like, Tennessee's most celebrated coach in recent history was arguably a product of his two really good coordinators. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's, that's, the, that's the era they cling to where it's like, oh, look, the, the, the former era. Hey, it's like, hey, hey. man, Cutcliffe and Chavis were the guy. Like, they let's, were so great with that let's, team. Let's, let's be real, okay? Okay. The era that they cling to is actually the 1950s when, they, uh, when Neyland was, uh, was dominating everybody. Did that's he hold, hold an entire season to zero points once? Did he? I think that that's true. I, I might be making that up, but I might not be. Yeah. But, you know. There were some good Tennessee teams, but also right. all the other ones count too. Sure, all the <laughs> like, other there's ones count. a lot. Now, I if I don't know if if anybody's a an Oklahoma fan here, I don't know why you would be listening to this podcast necessarily, but uh, but you know we love our Oklahoma friends. Um, there's this account called Blinken Riley on Twitter. Yes, he's, he's an Oklahoma stats guy, uh-huh. and basically he will just assault you with Oklahoma stats. <laughs> He'll be like, yeah. 
here's all of the top three finishes that our program has versus you. Here's all of the top 10 finishes we have. Here's the top 25 finishes. Here's the highs and winners. Here's the, and it'll just be like, God, I get it. Jeez. I get it. You're better than me. So I'm looking, I'm looking right now <laughs> to the 20s, and I'm seeing, was there a, so 20 and 29, yeah. Tennessee, let's see. They allowed 13 points all season. Yeah. Oh one was a 40 to six, and the other one was a 52 to seven. The rest are <laughs> shutouts. Uh, I'm trying to. Oh, oh I've my been, gosh. You can keep talking. I'm, I'm yeah. going to see if there is the if there is an infamous shutout season. But yeah. I right now I'm not. That was that's the closest. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think that's it. I don't think there's going to be a. That's the closest one. But 29. Yeah. 1929. Oh 13 points in a whole season. Like, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. That is really cool. It was 1939. It was zero points allowed in a regular season. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, because then they lost 14 nothing in the Rose Bowl. But that was Oof, it. That's, that's even worse, honestly. Right. <laughs> that's way worse. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. We're not talking about this list. That's sure, not what sure. The, point is. Uh, the other one, I mean, you know, we we gave Oklahoma a lot of credit on this one. They named the Sooner Schooner the number one tradition in all of college football. <sighs> that what? is a tradition. <laughs> are you are you kidding me? Like, it's fine. It's it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's a thing. I don't know. Like, like I just. Ugh, it's man. not even like. I wouldn't even count it as like the best thing that somebody rides in on, and then, no. like, because you got to me, you got whatever you think of it. You got Florida State. I think that's mm-hmm. probably more iconic. Yeah. I think you got. Uh, I think the, the Red Raider. Yeah. Like the. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that anybody rides on? Uh, rides in on. I think that might be it. But I would still. I would count those two as probably, especially Florida State. I would probably count that no, as more iconic. Florida State is clearly better. Yeah. And like, <laughs> whatever you want to say about Florida State. The one that actually partners with the with right, the, right, with the <laughs> tribe that tries yes. to do it right. Yes, with tries yeah. that's oh respectful my, about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, yes. like, exactly. No, no surprises. <laughs> that one's the better and, one. Uh, and number four on the list is really the one that's number one, which is uh, Ralphie's Run. Sure, which is uh, a buffalo awesome. running down the field at the University of Colorado, which yeah. is. Phenomenal. That's what college football is all that about: is absurdity and right. uh, uh, kind of quirkiness. Right. So. Uh, Anyway, this is we're not even talking about these lists. I know, they just right? got we us always so get off on a tangent about these. Up, which is literally the point, yep. but but whatever. ESPN released their list of the top 50 players in college football, okay? So, again, top 50 players, this may come as a shock. Big uh, big move towards uh, skill position players on offense. Sure. You know, I mean, whatever, that's be, yeah. a reality. Um, only one group of five player on the list, uh, which... It's a little annoying, but you know that it's it's college football. I get it. I yeah. get it. Uh, the one group of five player on the list is De'Aaron King at number forty. Mm-hmm. Very deserved, obviously. Sure. Um, so there were three Texan players on the list total. So number thirteen, Sam Ellinger. Number forty, De'Aaron King. Number forty-six, Jalen Rager. I want to start with Rager. Sure. Okay. First of all, there was a misunderstanding between me and him on Twitter because he thought I said obviously there are three Alabama wide receivers better than him. You know, obviously being sarcastic and he. It's hard to... It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. But but there are nine wide receivers ahead of him on the list. Are you telling me... rough. Are you really telling me... Or it might be eight. I think you might be ninth. But uh, are you really telling me that you're taking that many guys ahead of him? Because Jerry Judy's number three on the list. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Justin Ross. Mm-hmm. He had an awesome finish to last year. But, like, he's a wide receiver at Clemson, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, he still finished with a thousand yards. Yeah, you know, I mean, playing next to one of the best quarterbacks in college football last year, right? And, and had fourteen games too, mm-hmm. for the record. Rondell Moore at number twelve. Yes, fair. Rondell Moore is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. CD Lamb. I'm taking Rager over Lam, Rager over Lamb, but but I'm not mad at that. No, I'm not mad. Lavisca Chanel. Same deal. Sure. You know, totally fair. Uh, he was injured at the end, which I feel like should kind of get still a little bit if you're mm-hmm. kind of comparing these guys, but whatever. T. Higgins at Clemson, I okay, sure. Uh, Jalen Waddle at Alabama, oh, we're pushing it. We're pushing it. It's a little far. Yeah, we're pushing. I it. mean, again, big Jalen Waddle fans here. Mm-hmm. He's awesome, but like Jalen Rager is also awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tylen Walls, fair. sure, sure. He which, might, which probably should be a little higher. He should definitely <laughs> be higher. Henry Ruggs at Alabama. They just looked at the depth chart. Like they, they were just like, who's the third receiver on them? Like, <laughs> they were like, oh, these guys are really good. Who's the third guy? He's probably really good, and they just put him there. So that's my. That's what I'm assuming. I'm sorry. Okay, the, the third best receiver on any team should not be the 38th best player in college football. 
Especially... They uh, aren't the 30th, but, like, they aren't. like this. Uh, and, and the thing is, too, he had 747 yards last year, right? Sure. Which is impressive for a third guy. Right. You're telling me that Alabama, which did not have the best offense in college football last year, oh. has three receivers on the list? Are you... Uh, what? And, th- and then you get to Rager. Like, yeah. I just... I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, these lists are made to make us mad online, mm-hmm. but gosh darn it, they work. <laughs> they work real good. Right. I, I just, oh, I, if you're taking that many players over, uh, over Jalen Rager, which, by the way, Najee Harris also ahead of him on the list. Mm, sure. Uh, which, I mean, that's mostly, I think they're still waiting for him to live up to the hype. They, they are. <laughs> um, well, and, I mean, it's not even his fault. He's part of a stable. What, are, you know, what is he supposed to do? But, that's true. I just don't get it. And, and, like, actually, the one that really makes me mad on this list is number 49. Justin Fields. Oh, my God. I just – you're telling me you don't have to play one real college football game before we're going to put you up there because of your recruiting ranking? That is wild. And I know, just... I know that they probably put him at, like, 49 because they're like, yeah, we're not going to put him high. Right. But this is the top 50 players in college football. And, like – That is wild. The idea that – Justin Fields is apparently better right now mm-hmm. than all but one player in the entire group of five. The entire group of five. That's what you're telling us? Here's the thing. Do we even know if he's better than another quarterback who played for Georgia who's going to start this year? Uh, no, we don't. Do we know if he's better than Jacob Eason? Uh, Jacob Eason's played quarterback before. No. In we, college. We don't know that. Pretty well. Pretty okay. Yeah. Like... Right now, I would like as in terms of a known thing, we know Jacob Eason more than you know for sure. More than we know Justin Fields. Like, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, it's it's that's weird and, and like I don't know. It's just yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it's another it's another talk. Like I mean, you mentioned, it's another talking point. Right, right, right. Well, Here's well, let's thing. just quickly go through the top ten. Um, number one, Trevor Lawrence. Sure. Yeah. Two, Tua. Sure. I mean, I, I do think that we. Just the talk around it. I mean, being number two on the list, totally. Mm-hmm. I do think that the talk around it, people are forgetting how good Tua was right. last year because of what happened in that title game. Sure. Like it was his fault. Mm-hmm. Like it was freaking Tua's fault yeah. that, that Alabama got crushed everywhere. Yep. Because he was the best player in college football all season. Sure. Like, he, was, he was until, uh, I forgot when the tide turned, when it went to Kyler It was like Murray. the last two games. Right. It was like, the, yeah, where Kyler and, Murray. When he got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Right. He did get hurt. He did get hurt his ankle, I think, right? It was yeah. like his ankle or yeah. something. And never um, got better. Never got better. And that's when Kyler kind of took the step ahead. But it was like literally from the jump of the season, it right. was Tua's Heisman Trophy to lose. Yeah. I. So ultimately, like Tua would have won the Heisman in any other year, basically. Sure. Kyler Murray had one of the most historic seasons we've ever seen numbers-wise. Mm-hmm. And Tua got hurt. Like, there is and a Tua possibility that Tua doesn't get hurt. Kyler has that same season, and yeah. Tua wins the Heisman. Right. And we're looking at, man, that was the greatest season to never win the Heisman. It's, it, it, is the, if, it is the whole uh, Doctor Strange, there's only one way right. that this works out, right? Right, and it happens. And we, we did the one Tua way. Tua gets hurt, doesn't get healthy, gets benched in the SEC title game, right. and then Kyler Murray just keeps going. So I, I just think that, we, I mean, because... I'm not saying, like, for 100% certain that I'd put two at one over Lawrence. Sure. Like, maybe. But I think that that's a discussion that we should be way more open to because Tua was freaking awesome. Yep. <laughs> Tua was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Number three, Jerry Judy, also freaking awesome. You know, no problems there. Uh, I mean, I don't, three is high, but whatever. Yeah. Four, Grant Delpit, yes. Five, Jake Fromm, sure. Mm. <laughs> Six, Jonathan Taylor, sure. I don't get the Justin Herbert hype. Yeah, I know you don't. I, I don't know. I, I kind of do. I think he's an excellent quarterback. Yeah. I don't think that he's the seventh best player in college football. I'm wondering how much of that is mixed also with his draft hype. It's, it's a lot of it. Because he would have been probably the first quarterback. I mean, maybe. I don't know. First, second no, quarterback, he, he would, second he quarterback second taken this year. Uh, he might have um, been second or third because uh, Dwayne Haskins was also pretty highly touted. No, I mean. Mm, Daniel Jones went before him, though. You forgot, didn't you? Oh I'm, th- I'm thinking, ju- I think Justin Herbert would have been the second quarterback off the board this year so, if he came out. So, uh, it's just, oh, God. I, <laughs> I, was, I went to lunch earlier today, <laughs> and the, on TV they were talking about the Giants quarterback situation. Yeah. 
they had a picture up of Eli's face next to Daniel Jones's face. It was the same person. It's the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh. but, but yeah, oh so I, I think Justin Herbert would have been the second quarterback taken yeah. last year. He might be the second quarterback taken this year. Yeah. I'm wondering what's if that's mixed with, uh, like, it's a perfect storm with him, right? He's physically, you know, he's toolsy. Definitely. He ha- he's productive, for uh, most importantly. He's uh, probably no, going to. Most importantly. He's six foot six. That was about to say. Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. He's six foot six. Yeah. Oregon's also poised for a big year. Definitely. And so I'm curious if all if all, if all of that's like, well, Oregon's going to be good, and if Oregon's good, they got to have a great yeah. quarterback. So and and I mean, like for example, too. I well, uh, just looking down the list, I, I'm not even saying that he's necessarily going to be worse than the quarterbacks who are behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because the next guy on the list is Jalen Hurts, who. Mm-hmm. 11th a little high for him, you know, for where he is right now. Right. But I get it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, Ellinger's after that. And, I mean, will, will he be better than Sam Ellinger? I think he definitely can be. Um, but I don't know. It's just, at the end of the day, last year was his first real season as a starting quarterback um, because he had gotten hurt, been benched, et cetera, et cetera, the, the first couple of years there. Mm-hmm. He completed 59% of his passes. Fair. And I, I think, to me, too, that's just – a big part of my issue is that I want to see a high completion percentage, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if somebody yells at me with with freaking Josh Allen, I'm gonna quit this job and right. move forever. <laughs> but, but like, what I want to see is I want to see that your quarterback completed passes to receivers. Sure. And that was an issue last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't he wasn't as good as doing that as he was in previous years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Just number seven's really high. <laughs> it is really high. Um, Travis Etienne at eight. Sure. I, I don't think that people talk about him enough. That that's He's definitely flown under the radar because of how much talent Clemson's had. So, so how, how, how valuable it is to have just a running back who you know is just going to be productive in, any, in every way. So here's – this is on the, the, uh, the text of the list, but overall, Etienne finished with – 1,658 yards on the ground. Yeah. A number made even more impressive considering he had more than 16 carries in a game just twice last year. Wild. That what? Is wild. What? That is wild. I, I, he averaged 8.1 yards per rush. 8.1. What? Like, the, Lawrence dominated that national title game, right? Mm-hmm. Lawrence is the reason that they blew Alabama the hell out, right? Mm-hmm. But Travis Etienne was the best player on offense all season long. Probably, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that's no shade to Lawrence. Sure. Because Lawrence still was arguably the best quarterback in the country for a lot of last year. Well, top three. Let's mm. say top three. But Travis Etienne is ridiculous. <laughs> and this will be his last year there because, gosh darn it, get into the NFL. Right. <laughs> uh, number nine, Chase Young. Cool. I don't know. Uh, and then number 10, Justin Ross, the wide receiver at Clemson, who we talked about a little bit. But mm-hmm. I, I just, again, same deal where I think that the way that he ended his season in the national title game is why he's top 10 on this list, which I don't hate. You know, I think that's a totally fair opinion to have. Mm-hmm. But I just, when you look at the body of work, it's not the same. Sure. It, I, for me, Rondell Moore should definitely be top 10. Rondell Moore not being top 10 is insane to me. He had 2,200 all-purpose yards. What, is, that, is that real? He had 114 receptions. 114 <laughs> receptions. Which ranks second in league history. Jeez. Yeah, no, Rondell Moore should be top five. Yeah. <laughs> Rondell Moore maybe should be number one. <laughs> not really. That's but, but that's absolutely insane. Are there any other guys from, from Texas especially that you're surprised didn't make the list? Uh, I guess King being higher, maybe, but yeah. I mean that, that's a but that's, group, a, group that's a natural group of five thing. bias. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, same deal, obviously with Mason. Five. Right, I was about we, to say, we, yeah, we won't, we won't that's, that's, a, that's an obvious one. Like right, right. N- they probably don't know who Mason Fine is. Like it's, <laughs> they, it's, don't. they probably they don't. don't. So they don't. Um, one guy from maybe me. maybe Stearns. Yeah, Caden Stearns. Caden Stearns might be the one that's like because because he's I mean. Big time program. He had the yeah. stats to back it up with the interceptions. For he, sure. He's getting a lot of hype in the preseason, in the offseason. So right. he's probably the one big standout. Um, with AM, you're projecting a lot. Um, TCU, same. Yeah, I'd say just those two, really. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I, mentioned, uh, or uh, I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned two, just one. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a guy who. 
probably, I mean, I don't know what he's their top 50 type of hype, but, you know, Jack Anderson at Texas Tech I sure. think is, is maybe a guy. That's a good one. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's like an obvious other guy mm-hmm. in, in the conference. I mean, who, who are some guys who, by the end of the year, do you think will be in that conversation? I think Charlie Brewer yep. has a chance. Yep. Um, Again, potentially right. Alan Bowman. Yeah. yeah like yeah. either one of those quarterbacks for sure, for could sure. be in the discussion. Um, you're looking at if he can. I mean, uh, potentially Colin Johnson. Because he's going to be countered on a yeah. lot. Because yeah. he's going to take up. If he can take up that little Jordan Humphrey role, I don't yeah. think he can. But yeah. if he can absorb some of that um, that talent or that that production, sure. Especially because they're going to need it. Um, I think Justin Matabuki could yes. could Absolutely. head in that direction. Absolutely. Um, if his production can rise, because mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he was a difference maker last year, but he has to be a playmaker this year. Mm-hmm. He, he has to be the one who makes those tackles now. Right. And uh, Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond sure. could take a step forward because um, we're mentioning a lot about a schedule and, all. Oh, you know, they're probably going to lose four or five games. But if Kellen Mond looks good in all those games, like... If they go eight and four but win one of those games... Right, Kellen Mond know, starts I mean, approaching that 4,000 potentially mark yeah. around there. Yeah, yeah, you're going to need to see the st- statistical jump for sure because mm-hmm. I don't. I think that being more efficient is kind of expected. Sure. You know, because he only completed 58% of his passes last right. year. Right, You know, you're going to need him to complete more than that this year, but... But for sure, I mean, and, and so much more is going to be on him mm-hmm. um, just because Travion Williams is gone. Uh, you have better receivers, you feel like, at this point, right. you know, so that should help because some of the numbers aren't his fault, obviously. <laughs> uh, and, th- you know, the other guy, I think, from that offense who maybe uh, could get some looks is Deshaun Corbin. Mm, you that's know? A good one. I, I mean, that's projection. Sure, sure, that's sure. Big, big time projection, but, but I think that he could be in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's A&M, Texas again, sort of the Cosme, maybe mm-hmm. by the end of the year. Right. Um, you know, Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle. I mean, they're, they're all, most of the players on Texas's defense right. could be in that discussion. It's, it's all projection with them. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, and maybe none of them could be, right? Also maybe true. none of them could deserve it. But, but I think that basically everybody on defense is on that list. I mean, the fun answer is going to be Jordan Whittington. Which yeah. I, I don't sure. think he'll get there as a freshman. Right. But, but, I mean, he's going to be really good. Um, you know, same with Baylor. We talked about Brewer. Uh, you know, I, I think Mims is going to be gone, but, you know, that's kind of maybe – I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to project these guys, isn't it? Um, and, and same with TCU because it's just like there are so many guys. Sean Mathis, again, a guy that they feel very good about, but mm-hmm. that's still top 50 in all of football. And it's also getting as much credit to be named top 50 in all football when you play defensive end at TCU where it's kind of expected mm-hmm. that you're going to put up numbers. He'd have to do something pretty special to get on that list. And same with, like, Ennis Gaines and Garrett Wallow, who I think might be... Oh, and Jeff Gladney. Jeff mm-hmm. Gladney's somebody who maybe should have competed to be on this list, but also I'm not surprised that they don't really know who he is. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's going to be... Lucas Niang might be another guy who should have competed to be on this list, but there are a lot of contenders. Sure. And then... I mean, obviously, group of five, then you can talk about the bussies and the fines who are never going to get that credit, but mm-hmm. who should get that credit. Right. Anyway, it's a lot of college football. <laughs> We're getting really close to the season. It's kind of so freaking me close. out. I, you know, I, I kind of joked on text football today the other day, but we're doing a countdown list, right, where mm-hmm. we go. We release an article for 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, all the way through, obviously, one, um, in addition to all the stuff that we're already doing. And I have to write all the college ones, <laughs> and that is becoming real <laughs> because we're about to hit ten days out. So, yep. uh, but we got a lot of great content coming your way. I mean, it's we're so much better prepared for this season. I feel like, especially on the college side, than we were last year. Oh when, yeah. When I just kind of ran in the door. And, yeah, you were jumping on a speeding train. <laughs> I, when I just ran in the door and ran straight to A and M Clemson and didn't even think about it. You know, <laughs> didn't even plan. Was just like, I'll find a story here. I don't know. Oh. So. We feel really good about where we're at content-wise. Uh, we're excited for you to join us. If you haven't as yet, please become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. We're actually going to start doing a premium podcast where we just kind of let people in a little bit more. You know, I, I think that what would you say kind of the biggest differences are between a regular and premium? I mean, I think that really the biggest difference is just being more candid. Yeah. Stop talking be- about some of this stuff. Being more candid and being more... Kind of not afraid to to get a little bit more niche, right? As well, like if you want to know, if you want to have some more advanced analytic discussion, right? right. Um, bring up more numbers based analysis. Bring right. up more 
more nitty-gritty stuff that, like, some people, you know, you kind of have to have a niche uh, interest to Definitely. get into. Well, and, and I think for us, too, it's like, you know, we would bring somebody on from UTSA to sure. just talk about UTSA, right. you know, and, and get into Do the Do an entire show of just, hey, let's here's this special subject that we're going right. to focus on. And, and so, I mean, you know, for us, I think just as a company, you know, if, if you listen to podcasts, ain't played nobody. I think mm-hmm. that's, uh, which is, a you know, a great uh, podcast over at Vox. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we want to go with that sort of podcast, with the premium sort of podcast, mm-hmm. where, you know what, we're going to, if you're a Texas fan and you only like Texas football, mm-hmm. that podcast might not be for you. Right. But I think that what we want to communicate to you is just how great the, like football in the state is. Right. Right. And we want to get into the, why should you care about this? Why should you care about this Dion Hankins kid at UTEP? Right. You know, why should you care about... You know Frank Harris at at UTSA. What? Who the heck cares about UTSA versus Incarnate Word? Right. You know we do, and we want to let you, you know why. why. Yeah. Right. And and I think that also just for us too. You know we're around these programs a lot. We can give you a little bit more insight than maybe we're able to because it's a contained world. Sure. So we're really excited to get that started. Uh, we'll have some more info on that in the coming days. We also something we haven't talked about. We're gonna have a pick'em contest. Yeah. I still kind of need to go into the details of how exactly that works so I can <laughs> communicate that a little better. Exactly. But we're going to have a college pick'em contest. There's going to be weekly winners. There's going to be season-long winners. And on top of that, you're going to be picking against me, and you're going to lose. So, you know, I just have to assert my dominance right here, right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks again for joining us, as always. Uh, thanks again to Coach Lashley, Coach Kane. Great interviews with them. We're really excited to see what SMU does this year. Uh, And, yeah, again, like we mentioned, you can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. You can subscribe to our magazine, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe, or get it anywhere where there's bookshelves. I mean, we found it at Walmart. We found it at Kroger. We found it at, you know, HEB is the classic, obviously. you got to get it at HEB if you have the option. But, but. Make sure and subscribe if you haven't as yet, and then you get it delivered straight to your house. We're almost out of issues, by the way. I yeah. mean, this has been an extra popular issue. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't gotten your issue as yet, hurry. Hurry and make sure that you get yours. But uh, thanks again for joining us, and we will be back with you again next week.